This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. And today I'm continuing on with this series I've been doing, looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit today that I want to look at in particular is the fruit of joy. Now this is the second of the fruits of the Spirit. And um, as the Spirit works with us and in us, He changes our nature to produce joyfulness or joy as we walk in the Spirit and we walk with Christ. Now, joy is not the same as happiness, although they are kind of linked. But in this podcast, what we're going to learn is a little bit more about joy and how we grow this fruit in our lives. So our objective today is to learn about the joy of the Lord. Uh, secondly, is to understand the difference between human joy and the joy of the Lord. And third, to see the reasons why and how we can grow the fruit of joy in our lives. So the first scripture I want to look at is the one in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, which is where these nine fruits of the Spirit are listed. And I just want to read this one verse, verse 22, where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So we know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Uh, that's what it tells us there. But what is joy? Now, there are two words we need to look at. We need to look at the Greek word for joy and also the Hebrew word for joy because it's in both of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, in Greek, the Greek word chara is translated as joy into English. And it defines joy as being cheerfulness that is calm delight. The Hebrew word, which is simkor, defines joy as being a glee or exceeding gladness. Now, I think we could all agree that that's not a bad description. Both of those descriptions are not a bad description of what joy is. And as we walk in the Spirit, this fruit of joy grows within us as the Spirit transforms our nature. We find joy in the simple things, and more importantly, we find true joy in the things of the Lord. His path the path of Jesus Christ is a joyful path because it promotes gladness and it promotes delight within rather than the need to be emotionally propped up by the things and events that the world seeks that exist outside of us. So the next scripture I want to have a look at is in Luke chapter 2 and I'm reading from verse number 8 to verse 20. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
Now here we see the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ to the shepherds in the fields. It's fascinating that he announced this great and wondrous event to essentially just working people, shepherds. I mean, it was great that it was shepherds because Jesus is the great shepherd. But what we see here is the tremendous joy, the joy of the shepherds when the angel announced the birth of Jesus and also the joy in heaven of the heavenly hosts that sang of his arrival and they praised God. And this is a, this is a, a marvellous thing. Now, they received this news with great joy and they sought to see him as the angels announced his child who was to become the saviour of all mankind. And this is great reason to have joy. And we have a look also, while we're talking about the birth of Jesus, we continue on in Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 11, which is where the three wise men came to him. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now here is the next um, part of, of this joy of the birth of, of Jesus Christ. When these three wise men came from the east, they experienced great joy when they found Jesus. They had great joy because they were allowed to see the salvation that God was preparing for all of his people. And they rejoiced to know that this was going to take place when they saw the child, Jesus, with his mother. Now, the birth of a child is a reason for joy in and of itself. But knowing that this particular child was the son of God and the saviour of the world gave the three wise men great joy, great reasons for joy. They were overjoyed knowing God was unfolding his work of salvation and fulfilling the prophecies and the promises from long ago. And they were seeing this in the presence of this child who was born. Now we look at this again, and there's, there's an interesting thing that we have to understand about joy, because there is human joy, but there is also spiritual joy. And we've got to understand the difference between the two. And we'll start by looking at what the challenge of human joy is. And I want to go over into Matthew chapter 13, and uh, read from verse 18 down to 23. And this is the parable of the sower. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
As for what was sown among the thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now the thing that we're talking about here in this uh, series of podcasts is fruits of the Spirit. And we see that last group in verse 23, where he talks about the ones who were sown in good soil. It says, this is he who hears the word and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit. So these people who have heard and understood and acted upon the word of the Lord, they have borne fruit. And one of the fruits they would bear would be the fruit of the spirit, which is the fruit of joy amongst all the others. But what we see in the, um, the second group he talks about in verse 20 is, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now, we need to understand first that they receive it with joy. Many people receive the word of the Lord with joy. But this joy that they receive it with is human joy, the joy of finding something new. But there's no depth to it. And as it says in 21, it goes on, they receive it with great joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word immediately falls away. And that's the challenge of human joy. In the parable of the sower, we see that this second group received the word with great joy, but then they fell away when the heat of persecution struck. This joy they experienced was human joy. It could not sustain them to be able to continue in their walk. Whereas the group who bore fruit, who understood and took it to heart and did it, they received and felt the joy of the Lord upon them. And so they were able to be sustained and they carried forward. Human joy fades because it's based upon the things and the experiences of the moment in this world. But spiritual joy doesn't fade because the joy comes from knowledge of things that are eternal and the promises of God that never fade. In Romans chapter 14, we see this distinction made between the um, human joy and spiritual joy. And I'm going to read from verse 17, just two verses, 17 and 18 in Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. In these words here, we, we get this distinction between human joy and the joy of the Lord. People of the world seek joy in the things of the world, food, drink, clothing, um, assets, the latest and greatest gadgets, whatever it might be. And they seek joy and they get some joy from those things for a short time, but the joy fades. It's not permanent. It doesn't last because it's there while the thing is new and while it's in front of them, while the meal's in front of them or the drink's there. But once they've eaten the meal or drunk the drink, or once they've bought this gizmo that they uh, have been wanting and, and have, uh, have had great joy over buying this new appliance or this new gizmo, after a while it wears off because the gizmo starts to get old and it uh, depreciates and it falls apart. And this is the challenge of those who seek the joy of the things of the world. But the joy of the Lord is in the things of the Spirit. It's in things like, as it says in this uh, scripture, things like righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into the hearts of those who receive the Holy Spirit, 
so too we receive the joy of the Lord through the Holy Spirit when his love is poured into us. And this is the difference because the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Spirit and the love of God are eternal. They don't fade away like the joy of things in the world and the joy that people have in the things of this world. The next scripture I want to have a quick look at is in John chapter 16. And I'm going to read from verse 16 down to 24. A little while and you will see me no more. Again a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father? They said, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he means. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves what I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a child is born into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father, he will give it to you in my name. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Here we see the Lord is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking to them about his impending death. He knew that they would be sorrowful. He knew that they would fear the fact that Jesus was lost, that he died and he'd been taken away from them. But then he also knew that when he arose and came to them, speaking to them, then they would experience unutterable joy in the Lord, knowing that the resurrection was true and the hope of eternity that is in Jesus Christ could never be taken away again. The promises of the gospel were fulfilled in Jesus when he died and the new covenant came into effect when he died. The Lord then sent the Holy Spirit and the disciples were strengthened to do the ministry that they were called to do and they were filled with a joy that could not be taken away because they knew that Christ was with them and leading them always. The joy of the Lord does not fade like the joy of this world because the joy of the Lord is eternal. And that's what he says there in verse 20 when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And the people of the world did rejoice because Christ was a thorn in the side, particularly of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders of their time. He was a thorn in their side. And they rejoiced when they killed him. They thought, finally, we got rid of this troublemaker, not realizing that they'd put to death the Christ. And the disciples of Jesus did weep and they did lament. But as he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And their sorrow did turn to joy. When Jesus was raised, he came to them and he spoke to them and he ate with them and he moved amongst them for a period of time, roughly around about 35 to 40 days after he was resurrected. He came and he spoke to them in that period of time and they were comforted and they had great joy because they knew that he was indeed the Christ and that the resurrection was true and that all of the promises that the Lord had promised in the resurrection were going to come to pass. 
And there was no way that joy could not be taken away from it. It didn't fade because they knew that Jesus was alive forever and that his promise of salvation was to them. Now, over in the next scripture I want to go over into is Matthew chapter 28. And I want to look from verse 1 down to 10. Now, after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Lo, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Hail! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. There they will see me. In this example of the resurrection of Jesus, we see that the first expression of the joy of the Lord took place. The women who came to the tomb were told by the angel that Jesus had risen and to go and tell his disciples. And then Jesus himself met them on the road and they worshipped him. And they were filled with joy because although he died, here he was alive and living and standing in front of them. The sorrow that they had held was now wiped away by a joy that could not be extinguished because they knew Jesus couldn't be held by death and that he promised eternal life and salvation to all who believed. And they believed in him and the power of God. And so they were filled with joy, a joy that couldn't be taken away because they saw, they knew and they understood. The next scripture I want to look at is in Luke chapter 6 and I'm going to read from verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Now Jesus shows us here how we are to look at things and we are to look at things differently to the way the world does and to find joy in our suffering for the Lord. Now most people in the world when they suffer the last thing you would think of would be joy but he's telling them no rejoice be joyful those who come to Christ will suffer they will be persecuted and they will be abused by the people of this world but they should rejoice and be joyful in these things knowing that they have to happen and knowing that they are working for the Lord and not for man. And as this verse here says, even though they may suffer loss here, their reward is great in heaven, and that is better than anything that this world offers. The world and all that is in it is temporary, but the kingdom of God promised to those who seek him in Jesus Christ is eternal, and that is a great reason for joy, and we should be joyful in that as well. Going over to Luke chapter 10, from verse 17 down to 20. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now here, what the Lord is doing is explaining the reasons why we can and why we should be joyful in the Lord in this section of scripture. He says it's it's not about all of these wonderful gifts that he's given, the miracles, the ability to stand on snakes and scorpions and goodness knows what. He says it's not about those things. It's not about the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit wields through us a power that can uh, that even the demons can't stand against. He says that's not the reason why we should be joyful. The true reason for our joy lies in the fact that our names are written in heaven. This is what the real reason for our joy is all about. The real power that we receive as Christians is not about the power to do miraculous things or healings or to stand on snakes and scorpions or whatever. It's not about those things. The real power that we have been given by God is the power to become the children of God and to have our names written in heaven, written in his book of life. The final scripture that I'm going to have a look at today is in John chapter 15, and I'm reading from verse 7 down to verse 12. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Here we see that the joy of the Lord abides in us when we live in love. When we live and love the Lord and love our brethren in Christ Jesus, this is when the joy of the Lord resides and abides within us. When we live in his love and abide in his love, we are filled with the joy of the Lord. And again, we see that this joy is eternal because love is eternal. And love is eternal because God is love and God is eternal. And so we see that this fruit, the bearing of this fruit, if we abide in the Lord, like the branches of a vine abide in the vine itself and in the root of the vine, we too abide in the Lord in the same way. And when we abide in him and we are fed by him and we receive the nourishment from him, we receive his joy and we bear the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the Lord, which is this fruit of joy. So a couple uh, points for you to think about. Firstly, do you now see the difference between the joy of man and the joy of the Lord? Now the joy of man is temporary, but the joy of the Lord is permanent. And secondly, have you been seeking the joy in the things of this world rather than joy in the things of the Lord? And if so, what do you need to change? A quick prayer point. Just spend a moment in prayer now to seek the Lord to show you his joy and how this fruit of the Spirit can be made manifest in your life. That's it for this session. This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast, and I'm signing off. Our next session, we're going to continue looking at the fruits of the Spirit, and we'll look at the third of the fruits of the Spirit defined in Galatians 5, which is peace. So until then, I hope that you have a blessed week, and I hope to catch you again next week.